Welcome to Journal Talk, a weekly podcast about journal writing for passion, clarity, and purpose. Passion. Reignite that passion for the things and people you care about most. Clarity. Discover who you are and what you really want. Purpose. Get to the heart of life's issues to remember your divine purpose. And now, here's your host of Journal Talk, Nathan Oren. Welcome to episode number 41 of Journal Talk, where we talk about the tips and techniques for effective journal writing. And this episode, I wanted to switch things around just a little bit. I've gotten requests for more journaling prompts, more activities. Give us more things to do, Nathan. <laughs> so, so I'm going to do that. People want more ideas for ways that they can use their journals a little deeper. So I'm going to start out with a journal writing exercise, and then I will introduce my guest this week, Stephen Summerstone. This week, the theme is journaling with our internal committees, or journaling with our subcells, as Stephen likes to say. If you have ever taken the time to answer the question, who am I? Who am I? If you've ever thought about that question, you might find that the first thing to come up is hesitation. <laughs> like, what's the right answer here? What, what should I say? Who am I? And I might say, you know, I'm a 43-year-old podcaster from California. That's just really a set of facts about me. It's not who I am. Who I am might be a brother or I'm a personnel manager. And even those things are really just labels for things that I do or people that I'm related to. It's not, it's not really who I am down deep. And the truth is... We are a lot of different things. We're not just one person. We have a long list of roles and responsibilities in our lives, and you know, some of them are actually real. <laughs> Another way that you might see this committee is if you're ever faced with a decision like, you know, the holidays are coming up. Ah, that holiday season again. Yes, those holidays. What are your feelings about the year-end holidays? On the one hand, you might feel some joy and excitement. You might have some good memories. You can't wait to kind of relive with your, with your family and looking forward to being with your loved ones. And equally, you might also, alongside of that, you might also be feeling some sadness or anxiety about the holidays. Maybe you're not celebrating this year with somebody who was with you last year or just the anxiety of what do I wear? What am I going to eat? How much money do I have to spend this year? Or, you know, how am I going to fill the quiet time? Or will I even get any quiet time? It's possible that you could be feeling all those things and a little confused and conflicted of where to go, how to celebrate. And these are all different reactions to the same event. They're all valid expressions of who I am, who you are. A third example of this sort of internal committee is if you've ever been in a situation with someone else, let's say it is your husband or wife or someone that you've got a lot of history with, and they do something or they say something that really sets you off. And a recent example for me, I'll just share one, is a colleague of mine who canceled for a long-standing appointment that we had, and this was the third, maybe it was the fourth time that he canceled on me, 
And I was furious because I made room in my schedule to meet with this coworker. And there were some important topics that we needed to discuss on a project that we're both working on. And there's deadlines coming up. And, you know, at the same time, I happen to know through another mutual friend of mine and a coworker for him, I happened to know that there was a death in his family. And I'm sure that he needed to, you know, tend to himself and, and his family, his other people around him. He probably had details to take care of. Like anyone, anyone in the situation uh, facing death and grieving needs time and space. So while I was very sad for him and wanting to make every accommodation that I could, I realized, you know, I realized it's not his fault. And yet, no matter how strong my feelings of sympathy were, I still felt really angry. And it's almost like these two different feelings of mine, the anger about the project and the deadlines and the sympathy because, you know, he can't help it. And there's there's someone who's dead. You know, there's somebody died. It's almost like these two feelings don't really know anything about each other. <laughs> like they're just they're just hanging out in opposite sides of the room and they're not really they don't really have any knowledge of one another. They're like two competing voices in my head that are sort of taking turns yelling at me, you know, or yelling at each other or something. You know, if only Mark had kept his appointment 2 weeks ago, We'd have all this stuff covered, and then I think, well, how could he have possibly have known? I mean, you know, how, how do you know when anybody's going to die? Nobody knows. And then there's other voices that come up. Like, like I started feeling guilty that I hadn't tried harder to work with, through email communication in, the, in between the times that we were going to meet. I, I, I could have done a little bit more to reach out in between these uh, meetings. Um, and then I get feelings of nervousness for the project because I know I'm going to have to explain some things to the client. The client is going to be, we're going to be beyond our deadline and I'm, I'm anxious about what I'm going to have to say and, and how I'm going to you know, position this to the client. The client's not going to want to hear about any death in the family. So I've, I've got to, you know, I'm just wrapped up in a lot of different feelings. That's the committee. And here's why I think that journal writing is so incredibly helpful. Okay, this is one example of why I think journal writing is just amazing. This is an opportunity here for creating peace of mind, a sense of harmony, and having the experience of being authentic, but to honor all of these different feelings and all of their different variations. So my journal writing exercise this week is to bring to mind a situation like that for you. What what might be going on, Some something where you have mixed emotions or conflicted feelings. It could be the holidays coming up. It could be a situation at home. It could be something at work. Whatever it is, something that where you know you have, and it doesn't have to be the world's biggest problem. It could be something very simple. But spend just a minute or even less than a minute, jotting down some key phrases about the situation. So open your journal to a clean page, put the date at the top, and just say a few words about the situation, not the whole story, but just some notes. And then 
start to identify some of the stronger personalities or feelings or emotions that are at work in the in the situation. What's reacting in you? Name a couple of them. For me, the two most obvious ones were anger and sympathy. I was definitely angry, but I was definitely feeling sorry for the guy. And then if you like, what you might want to do is give each one of these different perspectives or emotions a name. Just an optional thing if it, if it helps. I could call my anger Fred, <laughs> for example. And you don't have to overly analyze the situation. I'm not saying, you know, don't go out on a hunt for every different emotion that came up in the situation. Just start off with the two or three strongest voices and spend just a little bit of time with each one. Once you identify the emotions and maybe give them names, you can set your timer for something like three minutes and just choose one emotion, one personality of that committee. And for three minutes, you give it full permission to speak its mind all the way, like give it full permission, just your turn. You've got the microphone. Your truth is real. Let's let's hear it. If I were to let Fred, my anger, speak for three minutes, I can tell you that he'd say a lot of things, <laughs> a lot of things that I don't necessarily want to actually tell my colleague, or for that matter, any of you in journal talk land, I, I, I might not want you to hear what comes out of Fred's mouth, you know, in, in his anger he might say some crazy things. I'm really mad at my coworker. Okay. I'm, I'm angry with my coworker. I mean, I hate his guts. I'm, I hate the way that he's undisciplined. He lets deadlines creep up. He doesn't communicate. I've done everything I can to keep the project on course. He's lazy. He's incompetent. And I think he might have even done this on purpose. Maybe he was trying to make me look bad. I'm just so frustrated by all the delays and blah, 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 disorganization. It could go off in many different directions. If I let Fred have full reign, and that's why it's good to set the timer, okay? So you just let, let him go and let it speak. Then I might turn over to Ronald. Ronald is my compassion. And I'm, I'm just making this up for the this example. And I might let Ronald speak for three minutes, and Ronald would remind me that, you know, it wasn't a long time ago, Nathan, that you lost somebody, and there's no use getting angry about it. It's not going to change anything. We're still here. The best that we can do, the best that we can most possibly do is just hold a space of peace and caring for this person. You know, maybe there's some creative way that we can get the project back on schedule, you know, the world goes on. People, you know, what's the most important thing to tend to right now? You know, it's people matter and, you know, his family really matters to him. So, you know, I might let Ronald speak. And this exercise really, by the way, is not about letting these two personalities argue with each other. It's not about that. In fact, when you're doing the three minutes for each one, you don't even need to let them direct their comments at each other. It's just about giving them space and permission to say what they need to say. Nine times out of 10, at least for me, some new voices start to emerge from this. Sometimes as many as five or six different emotions. I mentioned like the guilt. I start feeling guilty. And then I start feeling worried about how I'm going to have to position this with the client. So there's an anxious 
anxious Nelly in there <laughs> gets really upset and frustrated about what, what I'm going to have to do to make this right. And, you know, it's just about being aware. It's not about having them all come to some agreement. It's not about having them argue each other down or, or finding out which one of these perspectives is right. Uh, it's not about that. I just become aware that, you know, it's not just two or three of these voices. It's a lot of these things. I'm letting Ronald say his piece and then another voice wakes up. It's like a creative. Then a creative one might come up and starts coming into, you know, all these different possibilities. Well, what if we told the client this? Or what if we start working on another part of the project where my coworker's not involved as much? You know, and all of a sudden, I say, wow, that's a new voice. That's a creative brainstormer. I'm, I'm going to give him a name, Stuart. You know, Stuart is the, you know, the one coming up with all these great ideas. And then I might give Stuart three minutes to speak. After you've given all these voices in your internal committee a chance to say what they need to say, there's a lot of fun places that you can go from here. You know, usually I like to summarize it with my own three minutes where Nathan is talking and I just write at the bottom of the of the whole thing just a note. What did I learn from all of these different pieces of me? Or or I might come up with an action plan. What Maybe it's a blending of th- these different voices of wisdom. I might go back and ask some of these personalities, a few more questions. Maybe I allow, hey, you know, Stuart, I want to talk to you a little bit more about what you said with this, and I'll just let him talk a little bit more and write out write out the responses. I always try to end with some kind of summarizing statement. So if you're taking this this week, if you're going to do this assignment, try to end it uh, with some kind of summary statement that thanks everybody for sharing, letting each one of them know their voices are authentic expressions from my heart and my head. And this exercise I have found really helps to honor all of those feelings and, and really the wisdom, the wisdom that's, that's within me. I hope that helps. Let me know what you think of the exercise and let me know what you think of this format, putting an exercise at the beginning of a podcast episode. I'd like to introduce now my guest this week, who has a lot of different subjects to talk about. (laughs) So he's got his committee with us as well. So his name is Stephen Summerstone. He's got his own podcast. He does a video podcast on YouTube. He'll tell you more about that. And the episodes that he covers are a wide range of different topics. Another committee. He talks about philosophy and why our society is what it is. He talks about learning from your childhood traumas. He talks about Uh, why he loves creating music, his love of traveling and pursuing life's purpose. He shares about the importance of nurturing your own truth. I love that. And today, he's also going to talk about integrating the different parts of our personality. He calls them subselves. Very interesting guy, and let me introduce you to him right now. All right. This is another episode of Journal Talk. My name is Nathan Orne. Thanks for tuning in. Today I have a special guest with me from Ho Chi Minh City, Vietnam. His name is Stephen Summerstone. You may have seen him on his YouTube channel. He does his own podcast. He's a writer, musician, and a therapist, and he's also been a teacher for six years. Welcome to Journal Talk, Stephen, and good morning, Vietnam. Yes, good morning, Vietnam. It's a beautiful, beautiful day here. Clear skies, low humidity, 
Uh, I live in a part of the city where there are a lot of expats and the summer is kind mm. of coming to a close. So everything's getting really busy again. Ah. And so it's, it's really nice to go out on a walk and just see everything come alive. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, um, I've been watching you on the YouTube channel. And so um, I know that you're not originally from Vietnam and my, my uh, audience may not detect uh, a Vietnamese accent. So tell us uh, what you're doing there in Vietnam and how long have you been there? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Originally, originally I'm from uh, central Oregon, beautiful mountain town uh, called Bend. Um, but coming here, I was living in Kansas City. I've kind of lived all over the place. That's been my thing for about five years now. And I just had this sense, I'd been English teaching for years past, and I decided I'm going to come to Asia one more time. Uh, and I thought it was going to be a more permanent sort of thing, but I've been surprised at the path that I've had in front of me. Um, I decided to come here to just get more free time to work on myself, to be present with my friendships, and to do a lot more therapy with my therapist. And out of that, one, I'd also thrown a bunch of journaling, very mm. heavy journaling, especially in June. I did a lot in June. And out of that came this sort of, this sense of a deeper calling within myself to, to help others connect with emotional truth. And that has blossomed into um, my work as a therapist now, which I am actually doing full time. And I have a thriving practice and I'm working to get better every single day. And so, so the risk of coming out here, the decision to come out here has been totally, ah, yeah. So the decision to come out here was, has totally paid off. Um, and it's been worth the risk that I've taken. And now I have something in my life that I I feel like I can do for a long time to come. Mm. That's going to support me, um, wherever I go in the world. Fantastic. Fantastic. Well, congratulations. And, uh, those sound like wonderful, noble, and uh, worthwhile adventures um, and pursuits. Um, you know, your channel, uh, which is on YouTube, can you tell us the uh, address or how re- people can reach you on YouTube? Yeah, you can, um, you can search Stephen Summerstone. Uh, I think the username is Red Right Hunter, which was uh, just something that caught my fancy when, when YouTube first came out in like 2005, I created this channel and I didn't put anything on it really aside from a couple of music things every now and then. So you mm-hmm. can find it by the user handle of red, right Hunter. But mm-hmm. I think just typing in Steven Summerstone, you'll find plenty of stuff. Yeah. You've got a lot of different things there. I love the most recent uh, theme that you've been sort of following with the nurturing truth and nurturing truth.com. Um, and I'm especially impressed with uh, how you incorporate music uh, into your meditations and your the opening of your of your podcast and and all that you've uh, written your own songs uh, that that go along with that very uh, very well done. What uh, what inspired you to do all of that? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. Um, well, the music. The music's been around for a long time and it was my main sort of creative outlet when I was young. And when I got into philosophy, I got into philosophy, formal philosophy about six years ago, I really took a step away from music. And 
the more I've kind of integrated everything and I've integrated rational thinking and, and sound epistemology and sound metaphysics, kind of a, a strong grasp of the reality around me, I, I realized I'm missing that creative side. I'm missing that inspired side. I want to nurture it more. And so I decided to kind of bring it all together. And that's what you're seeing today, which is nurturing truth, which I feel is artistically is like combining the self-knowledge portion of my life, combining the music portion of my life, combining the philosophic side of my life. It's, it's kind of like the benign sides of me coming together and seeking out truth. Mm. And it's been, it's been wonderful. It's been kind of like a, a new step on a new path for me in the last six months. Nice, nice. And but uh, seeking truth and nurturing truth, I think, is nothing new for you. You've you've um, you have uh, been a very strong uh, philosopher uh, in in your past and and, and producing lots of um, information and, and podcasts about philosophy. Do you want to touch on that a little bit? Yeah, I do. Yeah, thanks. Um, well, I think. I think the need for philosophy and the need for rational thinking is is really at a premium today. It's really it's just really needed right now. And I think that's born out of kind of the fact that children and and I say this as I live in this apartment building and right now there's a child screaming in the on the floor below. Oh no. Um, yeah, one of my neighbors um has a kid and the boy screams several times a day. He's he's in terror and I've seen that the world is a very harsh place for children. Um, I've seen a lot of uh, struggle and a lot of hardship for children, especially in the schooling system. Uh, there are not a lot of answers in the culture. Uh, children are very underserved and they're sort of in this underclass in the world today. And so my aim with philosophy is sort of to bring... Um, Rational thinking bring nonviolence um, to people who who can be empowered to make a change for children in the world because children really are the future. Mm. And if children can grow up in a more peaceful society, um, they will be change makers of their own right when they become adults, mm -hmm. and humanity will move forward. Mm -hmm. So that's been a huge focus: is children, uh, how how to make the world a better place for children, how to improve parenting, how to give others the tools to understand what is going on with kids emotionally, what are their needs, and um, how to have fun. I think that's another important part of it. Yes, how to have yeah. fun with kids. So, <laughs> Yes, childhood should in definitely include having fun. Yeah, totally. Yeah, and, and out of fun is learning. Children learn when they play, and so do adults. And that is something that I really like to play up. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That is one of the themes of the Toastmasters organization. Ralph Smedley, the founder of Toastmaster, uh, founder of Toastmasters International, uh, used to say that uh, that people learn more in an environment where there's fun. Mm. I really believe that. Yeah, that's totally spot on. Yeah. Another thing that you talk about, I re I remember it wasn't too long ago. I think it was. Uh, less than a year ago, you had a series of your podcast uh, episodes uh, that were directly related to the art or the practice or the science, however you want to look at it, for journal writing. And mm -hmm. that, that definitely caught my eye. Um, 
please tell uh, the listeners about that and how they can uh, how they can connect with you that way. Yeah, yeah. Journaling journaling has been the backbone of my self therapy process, and it's actually been the backbone for quite a number of people that have mm-hmm. been in my life. And what I would say, the first thing I would say about journaling is it is a safe place to be as irrational, uh, as selfish, as jealous, as angry, (laughs) as unhappy as you need to be to process that stuff, uh, get it out and become a more healed individual. Mm. And it all starts by either putting the fingers to the, the keypad or to taking up the pen and paper and just writing, I feel dot, dot, dot. Mm-hmm. And then writing the emotion and going from there. So I see emotions as kind of trailhead markers or signs on the path to more consciousness and more integration. And our emotions are telling us their histories. They're telling us where they come from, where they were formed, what their needs are. And they also tell us very important things about the world around us. For example, if there's someone that we feel particularly sad around, our emotions are trying to tell us something either about the relationship there, the person there, or our own history in relation with that person. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So there's so much to explore. Um, And that is like my basic kind of 101 for journaling is this is this is how I conceptualize journaling I don't so much see journaling as just kind of like creative artistic expression that just goes nowhere but everywhere I see it as like a tool for integration and for healing a means to an end as opposed to um, an end in and of itself Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah very good um so many people uh, and many on this program have said similarly that, you know, it's not just navel gazing. It's not just, uh, you know, writing for the sake of writing. And yet somehow, sometimes that's how a lot of people get started. <laughs> just recording yeah. a few things here and there. And then they realize the therapeutic benefits later. Uh, another theme that you... Um, bring out uh, that I really admire and, and it really uh, fits so closely with you know the, the the things that I find in journal writing I, I always say I always talk about uh, passion clarity and purpose uh, mm-hmm. you hit you hit a lot on the clarity and you mentioned it earlier about um, you know the ability to think clearly and think rationally and even through the irrational thoughts being able to kind of process those and make sense out of them so that you can kind of keep a clear head. And and with that is the ability to really get honest uh, with oneself. And I know that that's a theme uh, of yours also. Uh, do you want to share a little bit, Stephen, about um, this integration that you're talking about and the subselves? Sure. Yeah. So, so there's a basic sort of mode of psychotherapy um, that recognizes the existence of subselves or of subpersonalities within our consciousness. And these are 
sort of entities or kind of imaginary friends or voices that come to be in our thoughts as a result of trauma that we endure as children. I think of it as the committee in my head. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a great way of looking at it. Yeah, I've, I've heard, I've heard it uh, described in many different metaphors. And my, my sort of metaphor is like a, a group of people around a campfire. That's, mm. that's how I see it. So yeah, there, that committee aspect is, is very important. And it's, it's almost like a marketplace of competing ideas as well. And the way I see journaling as coming into this is there's a lot of chatter. There's a lot of crosstalk going on in our everyday life and our thinking. And there are some dominant themes. There are some obsessions. There's some more benign sort of uh, future-oriented things. There are some deep, dark, sad things related to our past. And I see the basic essence of bringing journaling to this crosstalk as a way of finding more clarity, um, nurturing truth, <laughs> that's great, and um, allowing there to be more integration between these sides of ourselves, encouraging and fostering relationships between the different sides of ourselves. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And with that, Comes, comes the basic realization that, that a lot of this is grounded on emotional trauma. So if we can work in journaling to unburden our traumas, which means to go back in time to re-experience the pain that we initially endured and then to grieve what could have been and grieve what happened and grieve what was lost, then we can bring that trauma back into integration with the core of truth that is in each one of us. And so that is like a huge aim of the journaling that I sort of am an exponent of and that I practice in my daily life. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah, I can see there's definitely a very deep therapeutic process for you. I imagine for some people that might sound scary to go back and re-experience trauma um, without really a, a strong promise of being able to um, stay grounded and connected enough to, um, you know, bring it, bring it into uh, an integration, as you say, uh, to who we are today. Um, mm -hmm. When we come back from this quick break, uh, Stephen, maybe you can share with us some of the uh, tips or exercises that you might uh, encourage people to use um, to, to do some of that. Sound good? Absolutely. Yeah, that sounds great. Okay, super. We'll be right back with Stephen Summerstone on Journal Talk. You're listening to Journal Talk. If you're enjoying this conversation, then you'll love receiving our weekly show summaries. These are short articles, complete with links to additional resources and book recommendations for each episode of Journal Talk. Head over to our website at writeforlife.us and subscribe to Journal Talk. You'll receive a free index of past episodes, plus a weekly summary and reminder when a new episode is published. Thanks again for listening. And now, back to more Journal Talk. Welcome back to Journal Talk. My name is Nathan Oren, and I'm here with Stephen Summerstone, who is a writer, musician, and a therapist currently in Ho Chi Minh City, Vietnam, but a world traveler and a teacher, and uh, really pleased to have you on the show. Thank you for your time, Stephen. 
Yeah, thanks. It's really good to be here. I've really enjoyed the conversation so far. Yes, yes. So I'm very curious uh, to hear a little bit more about this, uh, these subselves and the committee or the campfire setting. Uh, you know, tell us, uh, give us some examples of a journaling exercise or activity that you might um, encourage us to try. That would help yeah. us to uh, integrate these uh, these selves or be aware, maybe just to be aware of these selves. Yeah, I I think, yeah, it's very important to just give some sort of practical pointers. And it's, it's interesting. On my YouTube channel, the most popular video currently is a meditation called Embracing Your Inner Child. I think that's what it's called. And <laughs> I... I picked this up from a John Bradshaw book called Healing the Shame That Binds You. And I would encourage anyone who's listening to this podcast, to this interview, to go have a listen to the video. It's eight minutes long and it is a really good introduction to this more sort of abstract uh, idea of subselves that I've been talking about. And in this meditation, you go, you go inside. You go inside of yourself, inside of your thoughts, um, in a more affective sort of mode of thinking, a place where you're more with your emotions. And using your imagination, you come to be in touch with a child that is within you. And in this exercise, it's, it's about embracing that child. So it's about sort of giving assurances of safety and warmth and nurturing to that child, then embracing it, and then being willing to come back and visit it at times. And as you come to develop a relationship with this child, um, you're going to find out likely that this child has some sort of affliction or some sort of pain, some sort of discomfort in their body somewhere. And through the journaling work, through the work uh, with a good therapist, you can come to unburden that child. Mm. And that is the method, that is the basic method that I condone in any of the self-knowledge work that I do. Um, oftentimes it's, it's about finding out what's fun for me, what my goals are, mm -hmm. or how my mood is. Um, but this is the real transformative work. And so a very practical sort of tip for me is Go have a view of the video and then imagine maybe at night when you're going to bed, just tucking yourself in as though you were that small child, taking good care, relieving the burdens of that child, nurturing that child. And the more you do that, the more you'll mature and your consciousness will expand and you'll become a more integrated adult. Mm. Wow. 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 Beautiful. And uh, uh, I'm I'm very curious. I haven't really thought of I've I've used the expression my inner child before. I haven't really put a face to it or a uh, a body uh, to to him. So it would be um, this would be an interesting exercise for me. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, thank you, Stephen. Um, yeah. What what are um, how is it that we can reach you? There might be people out there who want to know more 
um, besides your your YouTube channel, uh, and I think it's uh, nurturingtruth.com. Is that the best way to reach you, or do you want to give out your email address, or, or do you have anything that you would like to offer out to the Journal Talk community? Yeah, yeah, thanks. Um, I would say, well, I have the gift of free music on my site. Um, growing up, I always loved finding like free MP3s, or finding a nice record for like a dollar at the at the record store. Mm-hmm. So I, I've got some free music on my site um, of older music that I've done. But the main thing that I'm kind of promoting right now, aside from my therapy service, is the album The Boy Dreams. And it is an album specifically crafted for the truth seeker, um, for the journal keeper, for the healer, uh, to listen to and to be inspired by. It has a lot of different kind of soundscapes and moods and emotions. I had one person tell me there was, they were saying this song came up and I couldn't sleep and the song agitated me. And I said, Oh, well that's great because the song is about insomnia. (laughs) And so, so it was like, it worked exactly how I intended it to. Um, So that is the new thing that I'm kind of promoting right now. And I think it's, I think it's my finest work, uh, musically speaking. And so I'd encourage anyone that is interested in that to stop by the YouTube channel, check out the music videos um, for that album, or to go to CD Baby and look up Stephen Summerstone, or to come by my website and drop me a line and we could do some sort of PayPal or a Bitcoin exchange. Whatever you you feel is fair to pay for the album, we could get it going. Because I want people out there to hear the songs and to feel inspired and to go inside and, and for it to be a safe experience. Very nice. And I'll, I'll put up the links on the show summary. Uh, so people have that. And um, thank you very much for sharing and uh, for all that you're doing this. Uh, you've got quite a, a, a variety of uh, a, a different um, uh, art and work uh, going on there in uh, Vietnam, and I appreciate you. Thanks for your time, Stephen. And is there anything else that you would like our Journal Talk audience to consider? Uh, well, I, I would just say to get a little meta, uh, I feel very grateful that you had me on the show, and I think what you're doing is spectacular, uh, promoting journaling and emotional conversation and and uh, rawness and vulnerability. I think I think the world needs more of that. So I feel very honored to have come on your show and that you took an interest in my work. Absolutely. Well, thank you. That that means a lot to me that you that you'd share that with me. Uh, very good. I I think we're um we have uh, a lot in common and uh, yeah, let's keep the conversation rolling. Yeah, absolutely. Thank All you right. so much. You bet. You bet. Have a great rest of your of your morning and uh, and we'll talk soon. Bye. Bye-bye. This episode of Journal Talk is copyright and brought to you by Write for Life, a web resource for living with passion, clarity, and purpose through journal writing. Find us online at www.writeforlife.us, spelled W-R-I-T-E, the number four, L-I-F-E dot U-S. Thanks again for listening to Journal Talk. Journal Talk.